Welcome to Keep the Republic with Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Keep the Republic is brought to you by the Political Action Committee, Conservatives of. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to Keep the Republic. This is Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening here to Keep the Republic on the radio, but you can also listen to Keep the Republic on the TV shows. That's my internet TV show. It's not on the networks that you would find on terrestrial Earth. Just go to brighteon.tv. That's B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N.tv. And that's every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. And that's a live TV show. I talk more about national issues on that show, but you can find out more about what's happening from a Judeo-Christian perspective on the national stage by visiting keeptherepublic.tv on Thursday afternoons at 2. I also want to tell you that our show is sponsored by Conservatives Of. Conservatives Of is a grassroots political action committee that supports conservative constitutional Christian candidates. So if you don't have any specific candidates that you want to support, but you know you'd like to help get out the vote and get people elected who are constitutional conservative Christians, well then visit conservativesof.com. Click the Donate tab because they spend that money only on campaigns for constitutional conservative Christian candidates. All right. I also should tell you, by the way, that we we have the Ada County Liberty Dinners. Ada County is the fifth county now to be hosting Liberty Dinners, and True Idaho News is the major organizer for that. So you can go to trueidahonews.com slash events to find out who's coming up. Now, I'll tell you, we just did last week uh, Priscilla Giddings as our keynote speaker at the very first Ada County Liberty Dinner. Coming up on March 1st, we're going to have Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan and Representative Dorothy Moon. Janice McGeehan, as you may know, she's running for governor, and Dorothy Moon is running for secretary of state. So if you've not met them before, or if you'd like to find out more about their campaign and what they stand for, I always say, don't believe what the mainstream media is telling you about these ladies. Come find out for yourself. You can ask them questions, get direct conversation with them, find out for yourself. Just go to trueidahonews.com slash events to get your tickets. Okay, um, with me today is a very special guest. And I, I want to let him tell his own story. This is Bruce Brady. Bruce contacted me recently, and I said, wow, this is a great story. People need to hear this because Bruce is doing exactly what I wish everybody would do. So welcome to Keep the Republic, Bruce. Uh, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate you coming in. Now, you gave me a call a week or two ago, and you said, hey, um, listening to your podcast, we're, we're doing these things here. And I said, this is exactly what I want people to do. Come talk. So uh, why don't you tell, us, tell our listeners where you're coming from, what brought you to Idaho, and what's happened since? Yeah, well, a little over a year ago, uh, we were in the Portland area, and we'd been there for the summers of uh, riots uh, downtown and been watching the uh, Oregon legislature uh, led by Empress Kate Brown uh, do, you know, all sorts of nonsensical things, defunding the police, the things that you read about the news we were witnessing from, you know, a suburb, you know, 20 minutes away from downtown Portland. Uh, tremendous grief, really, to see a, the beautiful city just kind of boarded up, fenced up, uh, and, you know, kind of shocking. You would never have imagined that uh, things could go so quickly south uh, and uh, become such chaos. 
So that was that was really just one factor that was just kind of a grief to our hearts. Uh, we'd been there for you know a number of years in Portland. I'd been there over a decade, and uh, and just watched the governance just uh, really fail. So we uh, we had been praying about where to go, and Idaho was really not on our map. And that's a long story how we ultimately got here. But we did came to the Treasure Valley and. Um, you know, initially we're just going, wow, this is great. This is like a lot of freedom. And it wasn't all of the uh, mask police and, you know, like the the level of stress and tension here in Idaho is just dramatically less than what it was uh, in Oregon or even uh, in our visits to California. As we began to look closer, we began to see that politically that Idaho wasn't as red as we thought, and we, I started watching the legislators. Uh, one of one of the uh, founders, along with me, uh, Isaac Tolpin, uh, with and our group is called Idaho Activated. That we ultimately started. We, he and I just started a conversation, and just like, wow, we don't want to see this become Oregon, or California, or Washington, and it's not that far away. And you can look to Colorado as an example of where Idaho can be and really not that, not that long away. So ultimately the question becomes of all of us as citizens, even though we're lately come to Idaho, uh, you know, what can we do to help turn the tide and to keep Idaho red conservative? And that's when we began a group called Idaho activated and we're on, we're online, idahoactivated.com or Facebook or uh, uh, Instagram and our goal is to create a grassroots movement that will allow an easy way for for citizens of Idaho to be engaged in the process to understand what's going on because it's there's very few sources of real true conservative news and that's why I welcome to being introduced uh uh to Daniel and uh true Idaho news because it's like well there's a glimpse into what's really going on versus what uh, the mainstream media is putting forth on their spin. So that's that's where we began with Idaho Activated. Uh, about a month ago, we went live after a few months of thinking about how we could best do this, and we're still um, we're still in our infancy, but it's exciting to see the response so far. Yeah, there's, there's a, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. There's such a need for people to be activated and to be doing things. There are a number of conservative organizations doing various things. Everybody has their passion. And recently I attended a meeting of groups where we had, uh, you know, different leaders stand up and say what their groups were doing. And it was exciting to me to see so much going on, but it doesn't get a lot of attention. And so my understanding is that sometime in March, there will be a kind of a conference of conservative groups Hmm. where people can come find out what's going on. And I always say, you don't have to, you know, be a square peg fitting fitting into a square hole. If you're a round peg, find your round hole, you know? (laughs) Uh, There's so much out there, but they haven't been very communicative with each other. And this conference is going to aim to change that. We don't have a hard date yet, but we will be uh, announcing that both on True Idaho News and on this show. So I'm glad I'm going to ask you to be a part of that. Absolutely. Because people need to find out. But it is something for everybody. So you moved here from Oregon. Mm -hmm. You saw things going south. Um, I I heard you mention the word chaos. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of chaos. Uh, Just just shocking. Like, you know, 
uh, we had family members calling us regularly or friends and family like, are you guys okay? Because, you know, the city was literally on fire. And the homeless ex- epidemic just exploding there. It looks like a third world country in many places along the corridors, the freeways, the main thoroughfares, parking lots taken over. Uh, really, the laws in Oregon now are that uh, people can camp on city streets. So you could wake up one morning and go to take your kids to school and find, uh, you know, uh, tents on your sidewalk in front of your house. And And literally, I've seen that. Uh, in Portland, I still have, uh, my wife and I have seven children and, and three of them are still in the Portland area. So it's, um, up close and personal when we go and visit them. So it's, it's, it's like one of those things that you think that will never happen here. And then when it happens here, like you're kidding, but they're not, you're not kidding. No, it's, it's, it's a reality. And, and I think when the the big error that we have made as a conservative Christian people is that we've kind of been arm's length. You know, we're going to serve God, further His kingdom, and let you know the secular world take care of uh, the earthly kingdom. And now the fruit of that is what we move from from Oregon: uh, the overreach, the over control, the the heavy handed government. Uh, you know, our way or the highway kind of uh, government policies. And we see that with masking. We see that with vax uh, mandates. We see that with a lot of things. And everybody needs to find their own way on those issues. I don't believe in mandating anything. Uh, But for people to lose their jobs because of conviction or health reasons or whatever, you see that like the government overreach has gone too far. Mm -hmm. So why has that happened? Well, I think in many ways the church is responsible because it's been hands-off. And if you go back and even look at, uh, we, we've been posting, uh, just yesterday we posted a, a George Washington post on uh, Idaho Activated. Uh, it was never intended for God to be pushed out of government or schools or anything else. It was really the foundational uh, part of our country was that God was implicit in uh, the policies that men made. It's one of the reasons that we've been so blessed. Uh, I believe the church really lost sight of that along the way. Mm-hmm. And so then the balance is obviously the kingdom of God is the priority, but the balance is, is that we live here on earth and we're leaving a, uh, we're leaving a country to our children or our grandchildren. And right now I would say that um, my generation, I'm at the tail end of the baby boom, uh, has done a pretty poor job. Mm -hmm. We've been super selfish. We're more worried about retirement than we are saddling our kids with debt. And um, those are are not good things. Selfishness Mm -hmm. does not reap good things. And so what what we're doing in our little slice, and I appreciate what you said, we're not coming here to Idaho as that we know we want to be part of that conversation. We're super happy for some of the other groups. They're they're excellent, and we follow them, and we hope to be kind of a clearing site of information and also a way that people can easily get involved. So we have Action Thursdays where where we call people to action, whether that's you know writing a note to your your legislators. You know we're we're looking for what are meaningful actions that we can take as citizens and right now we have you know a couple hundred people following us and we have our numbers going up and a lot of people like responding i did it uh to a number so we can track who's doing what but 
if you could imagine in the Treasure Valley, if we have 10,000 followers and that even 1% or you know 5% uh, do something on a given week, then uh, the people representing the citizens in Boise are going to have to start thinking a little bit more, wow, there's somebody watching and not just be free to right. – uh, to go to their loudest cons- cons- constituents, which obvious, excuse me, are are usually, unfortunately, lobbyists and not necessarily the citizens. Yeah, and so it's, what you're talking about is establishing relationships with the legislators. That is so important. I look at people who just want to stand up and protest the very first time they see an injustice, and I say, you know, protesting has its place, except that it should not be the first choice. Because people who are legislators are citizens, just like you and me. And so they come to an idea and say, hey, I want to you know, serve my society, serve my, co- my uh, community. They, get, they run for office, they get elected. Well, after a while, you know, they don't know everything. They have to have some kind of input. And after a while, we start giving them nothing but, you need to do this, you need to do that. We don't have the relationship with them. We just start barking at them. So there needs to be that human touch, that human relationship where you reach out and say, hey, let me have that coffee with you. Let me, you know, take you to lunch or something. And I would recommend, by the way, doing that off season, not when the legislature is in session, uh, because these guys are running at Mach 20 at about right now. I, mean, I go down to the state house. I can't believe how much they do and how much they have to keep track of. But. During the off season, I strongly recommend people get to know their legislators, and I've done that with some. And I've been down at the state house, and you know, people that I have talked to in my district have actually pulled me aside in the hall and say, "Hey, here's an issue. I know that you know some things about that. What are your thoughts?" So here's a, a legislator who's going to cast a vote, who's asking for my input, simply because I took the time to have a meeting with that person and get to know them instead of just barking at them and telling them what they should or shouldn't do. Yeah, well, clearly everything is relational, and uh, you can have lobbyists that have great relationships with the legislators, or you can have citizens. Probably it's going to be both, and definitely going to be both. We're going to, um, yeah, I th- human humans are funny when when we know we're being watched, and there's some level of accountability to the citizens. Then I think that there's a little bit more carefulness that can take place than to rubber stamp someone's initiatives. And I and and the reality is is there's people in uh, Boise as we as we have done our research that really it's a good time for them to be replaced with people that are true conservatives. Yes, and that are looking after. Um, after what's best for the people. and So one of the things, let me interrupt, one of the things that we have with the, uh, the uh, Ada County Liberty Dinner is we pass out a piece of paper and we ask people, uh, what is your interest? What's your passion? Because we're not going to try to put you into a program. We want to find out what your interest is, and then we will try to connect you with people who have those passions already going, those organizations going, making a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to tell the listeners even now. I mean, if you have an interest and you don't know where the organization is, feel free to drop an email to trueidahonews at protonmail.com and I'll get you connected with somebody. And let me say that one more time. It's trueidahonews at protonmail.com. The idea is we are a nation of citizen leaders. And I I want to bounce something off of you. Um, You know, I've, I talk about this and I give presentations on this, but you have 
the founding of America, up until America was founded, we pretty much had a very top-down type of government everywhere you looked. It was either a king or a sultan or an emir or an emperor or somebody, and it was usually a monarchy of some sort. And then you have, you know, of course, Plato's Republic, and you have go back to the Rome of the Republic. Um, but it was it was not a uh, multi-layered republic. It was like a one-layer republic. Here's mm-hmm. our leaders and our, our minds up here, and then we have the plebes, and you guys, we're going to tell you what to do. It wasn't until King George III exercised a little bit too much control mm-hmm. back in the mid-1700s Absolutely. that the founders here said, you know what, we're, we've had enough of this. And so they actually went to war over this. And when they, when they finished, they said, okay, we now have 13 independent countries or, you know, states. You, you think of a country as a country. And, but these are really states. It's like, the, what's that Shakespearean line? The state of Denmark, right? It's the country <laughs> of Denmark, but it's also the state of Denmark. And so we have these united states. And they formed the Articles of Confederation, which was a very loose set of rules just to kind of associate these now independent states. The problem I see is that we went from too much control with King George to a little bit too much chaos in society with the Articles of Confederation. And they had to meet to revisit the Articles of Confederation, and they ended up rewriting them totally, and they came up with a constitution with a stronger federal government. So they were meeting in Philadelphia to try to find, to restore the balance, I guess you could say. Too much control on one side, too much chaos on the other. And it's interesting to me, uh, maybe some folks remember the story of Mrs. Powell, Elizabeth Powell. Her husband was the mayor of Philadelphia. In fact, her father was the mayor of Philadelphia. She was very well connected. And she hosted parties in her home for the delegates. And she knew what they were together for. She knew that they were trying to establish, restore the balance, I guess you could say. And so when they finally finished, here's Benjamin Franklin leaving Philadelphia's, uh, what we now call Constitutional Hall, or Independence Hall. And she says, so what have you given us, Dr. Franklin? We have a monarchy or a republic? And interesting question, because she knew they were trying to get away from the, the chaos of the uh, Articles of Confederation. So did they go to the middle ground with a republic, or did they swing all the way back to over-control with a monarchy? And Franklin's answer was perfect. He says, a republic, if you can keep it. Mm-hmm. And that is the balance that we're trying to seek. And I, now here's, here's where I want to go with all that background. You mentioned the chaos in, in Portland. There has been a concerted effort, I believe, especially in the last 100, 150 years, to move America out of that balance more towards a centralized control system. And I think they've been encroaching, and I think it's been boil the frog. Because right now, the federal government takes our money in the form of taxes, and they say, we'll give it back to you, but only if you follow these rules. And we see that even with the, with the hospitals and the schools right now with the COVID money. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to give you this money, but you got to follow our recommendations or we don't get it. Exactly. So here's my theory, and I, I want to get your, your thoughts on it. If I have uh, wants to restore the control, too much control, and give all the power back to the central government and take away the voice of the people, one of the things I could do is create a whole lot of chaos and encourage chaos 
And then the solution to that is, well, I guess we need more control. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's pretty, your, your observations are spot on in light of control and chaos. Uh, on one level, just illustrating with Portland, which I think is, you know, very top of mind. One hand, the police are told to stand down. The rioters are really left to do everything, including burning buildings. And so you let chaos reign and the government then puts in other forms of control. So it, it was it was kind of uh, enigmatic because it made no sense to defund the police. Now that Portland has gotten its belly full of uh, chaos, now they're trying to refund the police, but the police have been burned and many of them have said, we're gonna go to a red state uh, where we're appreciated. So there's not police there, so there's no homicide division, uh, and the homicide rates for last year were up 800%, uh, which is, you know, staggering. Wow. So you, so clearly we, we need control and we, uh, an order, uh, and it's a fine line between, uh, civilization and anarchy. So we don't want anarchy. And yet at the same time, uh, what brought and continues to bring people to America is it's a land of freedom. Uh, so to be good citizens, to guard freedom, to insist that our leaders exercise wisdom and prudence and come up with the best solutions. There's not like perfect solutions, but to come up with solutions that really look after the citizens and especially the most vulnerable because chaos tends to uh, create the greatest hardship in lack of policing on poorer populations. And so you have those people suffering. You have people suffering like, you know, we just passed a uh, legislation here uh, in the Senate today on taxation to give back government money, federal money back to the citizens. But the people that really needed it the most, uh, I think kind of got overlooked. It's a great, it's a great uh, soundbite for Governor Little, but it's not necessarily the best thing for some retiree that's you know stressing about how are they going to pay po property taxes with the inflation of property values, mm -hmm. or uh, some young family that's trying to feed kids um, and you know struggling with a tax on groceries, mm -hmm. which which was surprising to me when I came uh, from Oregon. There's no sales tax in Oregon. There's income tax. Um, but the, that there was tax on food because California has uh, tax on taxable items, but not on food. So, you know, Idaho is one of five states in America and of those five states, it's the third highest on the taxation rate on, on food. And we currently have almost a $2 billion surplus in our budget right now. And so for, I mean, I look at the numbers on this income tax break, it really is just crumbs. Mm -hmm. It amounts to probably $75 to, to a person back from the state. And that's nothing compared to the huge, huge surplus we've got. But it comes down to who, who is it that in a governance role, it's a very difficult role because you're having to look for long-term benefit of a state in this case, 
short-term benefits in light of circumstances, having rainy day funds in case things, in case people quit coming to Idaho or start leaving Idaho if the economy shifts. So you're, you've got a lot of things to keep track of, and it's, it's certainly not an easy job. And to our legislators' credit, it's not like it's a full-time job for them, and they're, you know, they're making $18,000 a year for a big job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's clearly a sacrifice, and, and it's commendable because that's how our founding fathers originally had, had uh, intended government to be kind of a volunteer citizen type of thing. So let me let me jump in here with this because I just had a conversation recently with some precinct committeemen here you know, where and I live, we're at Ada County. So we had 150 voting precincts in Ada County. With the redistricting that just took place after the census, we now have 190 precincts. Hmm. So I asked people, think about Barack Obama. This guy has an ego the size of Gibraltar. So why would someone like that become a community organizer? And what does a community organizer do? Well, they get into the community and they find people to run for these precinct committeemen slots because it's the precinct committeemen who then vote who the, the district chair is going to be and who the county chair is going to be. And then they just decide who's going to be the regional chairs and the state chairs who then decide what the national chairs. So you really are impacting the entire party if you can get enough numbers at the precinct committeement level. And right now they're looking for additional, we have 40 new seats to fill. So I'm I'm talking out there now to our listeners, if you're a conservative, constitutional Christian, and you'd like to make a difference, this there's no money in this. This is not a paid position. You you meet once a month, you become a precinct committeement to represent your precinct, and you give input and you vote on things. But it's not a paid position. It's just what Bruce was talking about. It's a volunteer position. And you can make a difference hugely. So I I just want to encourage people to do that. And by the way, if you have any questions about that, feel free again to give me a a ring or give me an email at trueidahonews at protonmail.com. Hey, Bruce, I'm looking at my clock. I just realized we're almost out of time. So thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And uh, give us the name of your organization again and how to find you. We are activated IdahoActivated.com, excuse me, IdahoActivated.com. We're on uh, Facebook, we're on Instagram, and uh, this is a great spot for you to follow us, to gain information uh, of what's going on, hopefully to contribute uh, to the movement that we're uh, joining forces with the other movements uh, to keep Idaho red. And to restore the republic, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I want to remind our listeners, you can subscribe for free to True Idaho News. Just go there, trueidahonews.com, subscribe for free. You're going to get an email once a week with the links to our various articles. And you also want to go to conservativesof.com and donate there for some uh, encouragement to the conservative Christian constitutional candidates, because that's what that position is for. That whole super PAC is for helping get those folks elected. So if you don't have somebody in mind, that's where you want to go. You can also listen to the weekly podcast at True Idaho News. And of course, you can listen to, I should say you should watch the Keep the Republic TV show on TV. This is Daniel Bobinski. I thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to Keep the Republic. If you'd like to support this broadcast and help fund Christian conservative candidates, visit conservativesof.com. Also, 
please pray for our republic and for godly men and women who will work to keep it.